Big win for the Eagles. Before we get to it, I want to tell you about our friends at Cozy Jewelers. Uh, Located in the heart of Newtown Square, family-owned and operated, Cozy is your place to go this holiday season if you're looking for that um, special something for a a special someone, a significant other, or if you're thinking of even popping the question. um, Black Friday is Friday. Um, I feel like we're counting down shopping days here until Christmas. You still have plenty of time. But Cozy will be having their big 20% off Black Friday sale on Friday. If you go in any time between now and then, you can get that deal. Mention Crossing Broad or Crossing Broadcast. Get 20% off anything in the store. They're certified Movado watch dealer. uh, Located very accessible in the Edgemont Shopping Center, Newtown Square. Very easy to get to, especially if you don't feel like going downtown. Uh, Certainly during the holiday season, I wouldn't blame you. Uh, Go to Cozy. Uh, If you are thinking of popping the question, um, they got you covered. Go in there, mention Crossing Broad, you get $500 off a custom engagement ring. But probably even more important, uh, the guys there, trust me, trust me on this. This can be a confusing process if you've never done it before. Um, more important than the discount is is knowing what you're buying. The guys there will walk you through um, the four C's how to buy a ring, where they source their diamonds. It's going to be a confusing process. We've heard nothing but great things about our friends uh, from Cozy, from readers who've been there, from Google reviews of 4.9, Yelp of 5.0. Truly great guys, um, truly a great selection, and we got great discounts for you. So um, thanks to our friends from Cozy Jewelers for sponsoring the show. Check them out, CozyJewelers.com. That's C-O-Z-Z-I Jewelers.com, located in the heart of Newtown Square. Uh, that is your place to go this season. So thanks again uh, to them for sponsoring uh, the podcast and also Anthony's uh, Flyers content on the website. Let's uh, let's get to the show. I just know, what was that stat that I saw about teams that have gone 9-1? and one? Did you guys see that that was circulating last no. night? No. It was something like 100% had made the playoffs, so like 50% had made the Super Bowl, like something ridiculous like there was, that. There uh, was a stat that I came away with from that game, and it, it kind of came back to something I think I asked you about a while ago. About Oh, hold on. 50% made the playoffs, tw- uh, 46% made the Super Bowl, and 22% won the Super Bowl for teams that started off 9-1. and one. Wait, there's no way only 50% made the playoffs. I said, I met my bet, 100% made the playoffs. Oh, okay. 50 of the, the 50 teams have started 9-1, and one, 100% made the playoffs, 46 made it to the Super Bowl, 22% won it. So what are our expectations now? Like... To me, you know, we, we've talked about this a month ago when we were trying to rank the teams. And it was like, okay, the Cowboys are the reigning division champs. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. And then the Zeke news comes down and they lose their starting left tackle. And the Eagles just step on the gas. And it's like, all right, the Eagles are better than them. And last night's going to be exactly what we thought it was. It's going to be a ceremonial ass whooping. And the Eagles are going to essentially clinch the NFC East. And from now on, it's going to be all about. Um, you know, seating and the bye week and home field advantage and all that stuff. So I still feel like it's these next, after this Bears game, which just smells of trap game to me, just like makes me nauseous with the the emanating scent of trap game when you talk about that. Um, I mean, you get three row games, Seattle, L.A., and the Giants, who, by the way, beat the Chiefs yesterday. Like you, that's your season there. If they go three and four in these next three weeks, um, you know, you're probably looking at home field throughout the playoffs. Um, all right, so you're so at nine and one, 
Uh, I mean, I'm looking at tw- we're 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 either looking at twelve and four, or thirteen and three. Um, that was too wrong. I'm saying thirteen and three or fourteen and two. I don't. I don't see this team losing. I can see this team losing two more games, and one of them being a game where they just don't play anybody. Um, Chicago should be a win. Uh, Seattle is tough, but I do think that should be a win. I think we match up really well with them. The Rams, I think, is the one game where I look at and go, all right, if we actually get beat, maybe. But I I don't think Jericho. I mean, look, they're better than every fucking team on their schedule. They really are. It's yeah. just about, you know, do we get to the end of the year? I want to rest people. Um, I would love to lock this up as quickly as possible. But then, of course, the storyline that will overtake Philly, which will be uh, how long is too long to rest? Uh, about last night, the fact that Ronald Darby played every single snap on defense is really incredible to get him back at that level that quickly, even though that was a pass interference against uh, Des Bryant. Like, so blatant. Uh, I love that Chris Collinsworth didn't understand it. Um, I am, man, Derek Barnett, I am so wrong, and it was so great to be wrong. Like, holy shit. The guy is just getting better and better every single week. Um and then I'm just I'm just going on a mind. Uh, I'm just spurting everything I'm thinking about right now. The yeah, Eagles, stop there on the defense. Yeah, and then I'll just you know, the the Eagles defensive line really is so consistent and constant, and they're able to get a lot out of everybody. And I think the thing that I really liked last night is sometimes they go for their hockey line change, and they'll do it for an entire drive. And there were a few instances last night where the Cowboys would get like two or three first downs on the second line, which would be the Bo Allen, Chris Long, Derek Barnett um, line. And then they would immediately switch when they, the Cowboys would get to about the 40 back to the Fletcher, Benny Logan line. And then the drive would stop. And I'm glad that they'll still, they'll now, because I feel like sometimes they just, they're like, no, this is their series. Last night they said no, and they, they ended it. And I was happy because that's been getting annoying. Joe Walker reacts to every single fake. Uh, but, you know, man, Mike, look, I was looking at the snap counts and to get all those snaps from Ronald Darby, but also from Michael Kendricks to be playing damn near the whole game right now with Nigel Bradham. It's just good to see the Eagles adjust their expectations themselves because they were going to try and trade Kendrick. So um, they got the right unit right now, and it's really clicking on D. Adam, the thing that was, I think, the most interesting to me is is a stat that we had talked about a while ago about where Malcolm Jenkins lines up. And it, through Week 10, he had played more cornerback than he had safety, 36% to 34, yeah. to 34%. But oddly, like, interestingly, I guess enough, linebacker, he played 30%. He, he's easily the most versatile guy on their defense. Where do you think he ranks in the NFL in terms of versatility playing multiple positions on defense? Oh, there's, uh, like, Ron Parker on the Chiefs 
is all over the place. The thing with Malcolm is I don't think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of safeties that could play linebacker. Mark Barron on the Los Angeles Rams has been doing this. Dayon Buchanan on the Arizona Cardinals has been doing this. But I don't I think it's a lot harder for a safety to play cornerback. Because you hear like with Charles Woodson's career. He was a corner that got too slow and then became safety. And that's the natural progression. But I, I think that as the season goes on, Jenkins' percentage at cornerback will drop because I think that was out of necessity for Darby. And as they gave all the effusive praise for Patrick Robinson last night at slot corner, um, I think that Malcolm will be playing more linebacker and his ability to cover tight ends is such a huge advantage. Uh, that That's a position that, you know, let's say it becomes an Eagles-Patriots, he's on Gronk. You know, that's the guy that's covering Gronk, and that position is so vital. Um, so, yeah, I think he's been insanely versatile. And I, I just don't see anyone that could do the three, safety linebacker and corner. There's a lot of safety linebackers. There's not a lot of safety quarters. Got it. Speaking of effusive praise, uh, well, there was one point where Chris Collinsworth was, like, sucking off the Eagles, and I was – like, he's good, but every now and then he'll annoy me. And he went through a stretch of, like, five straight minutes of just blowing the Eagles. And I was like, all right, enough. I know this is this feels good, but it's too much. Um, did you guys uh, worry at all during the first half? Yes. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I, Russ, I could see you, like, like, taking the first half to heart. No, it's just like, look, I mean, I said on – I think I said on Friday that, like, I, if nothing else, I was a little bit worried about the layoff. And I thought that they really needed to come out early and, and established themselves. They couldn't be a, a rusty group. And the fact that they, they went out, was it 85 yards on the first drive? I mean, that was exciting. It looked good, and then it was weird. I think I was more concerned with, you know, wondering if Doug's play calling went, like, reverted back to where it was in the beginning of the season, like the, the game one, where it was the tuna can offense. Because it just felt like where he's been, I, I would say, dynamic and almost perfect in his play calling during this win streak it just looked like they went back to, you know, a time that we expected them to be like a 500 team at best. And that's where I was I was more upset. It didn't look like they had a lack of effort or anything. But, like, you can't, at least for me, I can't sit back and say, yeah, you know, they, they looked like a rusty group, when especially after you just went 85 yards and, you know, smashed it down Dallas's throat. I was confused why they seemed to have gotten away from the run early in the first half. That was, I think, part of the Collinsworth thing What that, like, this is a great rushing team. It's not a good rushing team. It's not a pretty good. It's a great rushing offense. So the fact that I think at halftime, I want to say I saw a stat that said it was 19 passes to 9 rushes. Like, that that was very confusing to me. And then the second half, they did what they were supposed to do. Yeah, see, I, I, like, I will, I'll tell you when I'm wrong or whatever. But I did not... Was not bothered at all by the first half. Like, yeah, were there a few drives there where you're like, oh, man, like, what is going on here? Like, let's let's balance this out. And the offense looked bad. Dallas is playing well. Give them credit. The Eagles had two weeks off. You know, they've had sort of a weird schedule here over the last month, you know, starting with the Thursday game and then a following Monday game and then two, you know, two Sundays, then a bye. Like, they, they haven't had a regimented schedule. Uh, we saw the 49ers game after that long layoff a few weeks ago. It took them a while to get going against a dreadful team. Uh, you know, this is to be expected. Dallas has been playing 
um, you know, basically, you know, kind of for their lives are, are very impactful games for a few weeks now. So I wasn't that down on it. I thought the script took them at least into the third drive. Uh, they probably thought they could do more against the Cowboys secondary because a lot of teams have had success against the Cowboys secondary, and they were trying to move the ball through the air, and there was a couple of drops in there. I mean, they, they were getting some pressure. I mean, it was it was what it was, and, the, and Dallas's corners were doing a nice job. So I felt like it would have been a little bit better to come out of the first half with more than seven points, but I, I, to me, like I, I'm – I've reached a point with this team where I'm supremely confident that they're just going to revert to themselves, which is which is a a great team. Like there, this is no longer a fluke. Um, you know, yeah, but outscoring to, somebody thirty to nine, regardless of how many people, or thirty nothing in the second half, yeah. regardless of how many people they're missing. Their defense is too good, and you and again by the by the second half, you know the the Eagles keep coming, and you could see the Cowboys getting worn down. And oh, by the way, like when the defense gets these key turnovers, the offense is so efficient in punching it in. Like I did a stat yeah, a couple see, weeks that's, ago. But that's the reason that I was worried in the first half was they got the multiple turnovers and Good did point. nothing with it. And to Russ's point, sometimes I think as a play caller, it's this is a really dumb analogy. Um, if you've ever been playing paper, rock, paper, scissors against somebody and they're just like in your fucking head where you're like, you're like everything I throw, they just know like they've got me down. And I feel like sometimes with Doug, with like calling passes to runs, he's like, okay, I went three and out and I called three passes. So they're expecting a run on this next play. So I'm going to pass and then shit, they're doing exactly what they want me to do. Cause I'm passing. So I'm going to run. No, no, no. I should pass. Cause they're going to expect to run. Like, I feel like he, like that's what that first half was. And I feel like they were trying to set up, they were trying to flip it. They were trying to set up the, the run by passing. And they start off the game with two outs to Tory Smith, which they never fucking run. And then that kind of allowed them to run more. But I love the, the use of the trap run game on David Irving, which is like allowing a guy to run up the field and, and it's like judo or like you use their momentum against them. Instead of trying to push them, you allow them to take themselves out of the play, and then they have pulling guards. It was it was a very good game, but that first half, uh, you just you don't let Wentz to get into a flow because everything is kind of forced. It was a little scary, um, and I texted this to my friend Dan last night. Man, this is like old Andy Reid with the big adjustments at halftime, which is clearly a joke because I don't think Andy Reid ever made adjustments at halftime, um, but. To come out and completely flip the script and to get some of those running plays to hit big in the second half, would I like Jay Ajayi to finish a run? Of course. Do I worry that his knees are going to explode every single time? Yeah. I don't know what's up with his legs. They're really fucking scary. But I think, Kyle, before we got on today, you said, what were the stats on Zach Ertz and Nelson Aguilar? Zach Ertz, two catches for eight yards. Nelson Aguilar, one catch, I believe, for minus two. Yep. If you would have told me, I agree with you, Kyle. Kyle said this before. If those were the stats that you told me, I'd be like, shit, the passing game is in trouble. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, fuck yeah, man. Like, that catch was awesome. Uh, He is not a number one, but he is an amazing number two receiver. That's my Uh, take on Alshon Jeffrey. That was a big takeaway that I had as well, is like in in a season where we've been waiting – quite often for Alshon to have the, the big moment, to have the number one receiver kind of game. I think it was the game before the bye. 
he had his best game as an Eagle. And then last night, to not only be the most reliable guy on the team, not only to be the guy who almost tripled the second-leading receiver on the team in yardage, um, he had the most targets on the team, and he and he made the most of them, and he made some of those highlight catches that I think we've that all come to expect. Catch. It was incredible. That touchdown catch, especially coming, that was after the Aguilar play. That didn't count, right? Yep. That, I mean, I screamed out loud. Me too. Because that... That is the play, and Al Michaels was like, oh, oh yeah, it looks like the main score. No, he got loud for that one. Did not. Did not. Did Follow not the watch audio. the replay. I will fight you yeah, on that. I'll, I'm excited I will fight for you, you to find it. I will fight it you on that. It was Collinsworth that got excited. It was. Collinsworth I, lost his mind. Well, you know, Kyle, a good announcer lets his color commentator. <laughs> <laughs> that was a hell of a catch by Jeffrey. Like I'll that, say this, man. You know what? Yeah. He had the big catch against Denver. He had that catch. And you know what play I think was the clincher or what was the big play for the Eagles the whole game? Think about it. They have seven points at halftime. The offense can't get offense can't get going. Third and one in the first drive in the third quarter. And they do the play action rollout, squeaking underneath Brent Selleck catch for 40, 50 yards. Ah, uh, yeah. That to me was like all the pressure is out of the balloon. They couldn't get third downs. They couldn't get the first downs. And then they get this squeaky little Selleck play for 40 yards. That, I feel like, loosened them up. Because then after that, it was just a steamroll. But oh, there's a million things in this game. But 37-9. and nine. Russ, what was your prediction? 40-something? Uh, I said 42-17. Not bad. Yeah. So, the- I mean, that was coming off a day where I uh, perfectly guessed the... Eagle or the uh, Sixers and Warriors score line. So I was I was feeling you pretty did? good. I was feeling pretty good this weekend. He guessed the he guessed the spread. Well, well, uh, well I didn't know what the spread was because I didn't know how to read it. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that game yet because that yeah. game was a kick. No, I don't want to. No, I don't talk. The uh, what what's incredible is the like the amount of contributions the Eagles get from different players. I, I said mm-hmm. it before. I'll say it again. The running game feels so much like the Patriots every year and the Seahawks of the last few years we're like i mean you know you got barner gets one touch but like clement is i i can't figure him out because he's not super fast he's not a big bruiser but he just runs well like he he just finds the hole and i mean he's great in the red zone it's incredible and like he you know we a month ago we were talking about how he probably didn't have a discernible skill he was more or less just a he was just there and he'll probably like um, uh, regress to the mean at some point but like he looks so good and then you have blunt like who can handle the ball 13 times yes pound it for 57 yards and then you get a giant like this is the thing with a giant which wasn't happening with the dolphins seven yards 91 yards obviously 71 of those come on one play like those are the things if you get once every other game from him and he's your big home run threat and then you got blunt who can carry the ball and clement is a weapon and then like the receiving game like, seeing Jeffrey make that catch at the goal line, and finally, it's been so long. It's been years, I feel like, since yeah, we've had been. a... Res- or, what's that? Sorry. When people say, it's been, I go, it's been. Oh, nice. So, it's been years since we've had a receiver who could just, like, make that wow catch in the end zone. I can't remember... I mean, I, I'm, like, thinking Greg Lewis in the Super Bowl, and that wasn't even in the end zone. But, like, someone who hauled a ball in, and you're like... Todd Pinkston. Legitimately, Todd Pinkston was like the master of the deep ball, 
like when he wasn't afraid of getting hit. But he yeah. was a very good deep ball, oh shit, catcher. Yeah, but just the way he holds, like with his hands. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, but again, you're going over a decade plus ago. Oh, it's fucking crazy. Having that, and but then to not like Ertz is your number one receiver. Aguilar thus far this season has been their number one deep threat, you know, big play guy, and neither of those guys do anything. And yep. you know, like Wentz only throws for 168 yards. Like they they are efficient. To your point. It was a little concerning in the first half. They got to his opportunities and didn't convert them. To me, that was the one thing where you're like, okay, what's going on here? But, they, you know, they're still – like, they're just efficient in scoring. Like, they, they come in bunches. It's – Kyle, I, don't know. I got your guy. I know who the catcher is. Jason Avant. Mm. Jason Avant caught yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's – yeah, that Alshon but, Cal but, State. But he had no athleticism – to do stuff with it, and he didn't have Alshon's size to just bot like box out people. It's like a basketball game when you watch Alshon; like he just puts the corner on his back hip and like gets in the post, and it's like over. Funny thing is, Avant had those good hands where he would make those tough catches, and, and then, then he drop would drop like ones. frustratingly easy ones. Oh, your point sure. about your point about the play calling. Um, my dad came up to watch a game last night, and he turned to me at one point. And he's like, "Man, the Eagles haven't even played a close game," and six plus weeks and that's where i paused and i'm you know not trying to get sour here because after the game post game show seth joiner super serious all the time and he was once again correcting barrett brooks but they were talking him and ray oh yeah barrett brooks was like the i think the eagles were like four for four on on two-point conversions and seth's like no actually it's right here they were three for four you know, when like I, I saw the air about, I, have, comes out I of haven't the seen that show, but I know that my dad loves Seth Joyner because he always is so like He's over the top. Yeah. And then Barrett, I'm I'm just like, man, I don't know why that's a thing. And I can't I just can't imagine those two in a room. That Barrett like yeah, Barrett is just Barrett's jolly. Like, si- no, that's Barrett's not, not right good. Word. Yeah. yeah that's, that's the right word. He's just not good and that's I don't tough. get it. Is he a temple guy? I do not know the background. Uh, to Google we go. Thank you. You do that. <laughs> so, so uh, like he's not good, but Seth is real. Like Seth knows his stuff, Kansas and he State. has the stats. Sorry, what's that? Okay. Kansas State. I don't know why I was thinking Temple. Maybe just because like the Philly media for some reason keeps giving him Barrett Brooks and but... Mark Simino from Kansas State. Ah, uh, Mark Simino. Now there's a guy. There's a guy Seth who's good Joyner. on NFL 2K5. Seth Joyner, he was good. Uh, Madden 05 is better than Fight Me. No, um, what? We'll, no. Later. We'll do it later. $20, Seth Joyner, man. Come on. Seth, Seth Joyner is so so well-prepared, but he's so serious all the time. Like, that show, the dynamic they used to have with VHEB and the Gov and Diddy was perfect. I, I still, for the life of me, cannot understand why they put Ed Rendell in his own little room. I get that, I guess, like, you know, he kind of has, my dad was like, yeah, they got to keep him around. He's Ed Rendell. Like, he could pull any string he wants. But th- put him on the panel. I actually like sort of the, you know, sort of the everyman guy sitting on the panel. You know? Hey, Russ. As the uh, as the resident, <laughs> you know, Ed Rendell here, I don't like Ed Rendell on the show. No, but it's... he was better when, like, he was interacting with the athlete because you had, you had Diddy, who was the, like, stat guy. You had the former athlete who, who brought a lot of energy before they switched to the two guys they have. And, and then you had the everyman fan. He had uh, Barkan, you know, barking at the carnival. And it was like a good, you know, shouting out the name of every player as they walk into the locker room. Thanks. Thanks, Barkan. I didn't know that was Carson Wentz. Um, 
but like that was a good dynamic. Now it's not. Yeah. They're missing something. It is. Weird. I don't know how we got. It's, it, oh, it, it's strange that they have him in the panic room. Really <laughs> solid tweet from ESPN Stats and Info. The Cowboys lost by 28 points at home for the third time in the last 25 seasons. All three have been against the Eagles. Wow. Cue up the band. That wasn't the tune I was expecting, but we'll take it. The postgame show. So on the postgame show, they were talking about Doug's play and lauding him for his halftime adjustment, saying, like, this some of the best adjustments we've seen. You know, I mean, Seth was was really praising him there in his very monotone way. But – the thing, the thing that keeps giving me pause, and I'm really not trying to be a downer, but I said to my dad when he brought up the fact they haven't played a close game, it's like your your point, Adam, about rock paper scissors. I feel spot on. Like when he gets down to the goal line, you're like, oh, maybe he's going to zig. Nope, he zags like exactly what we expected him to do. Like the he made the exact pivot you would have expected, and I, I just like I can't fully be confident yet because I haven't seen, I haven't seen him like wiggle his way out of a close game and I think he's a terrific coach he's got the players pulling all at the same rope they're playing for him he's pulling all the right strings his scheming is impressive he's done a nice job of doling out responsibility where he needs to like everything works but our sample size on him making important pivotal decisions and not clock management that hasn't been a problem but those fourth and eight situations, yeah. the decision to punt like last year in Dallas, like we don't have a we don't have a big book on him, and the book that we do have is is very short and still gives me pause. And I'm just concerned about going up against against the Sean Payton, against mm. you know against the Bill Belichick, and you have a close game and they're Say the coaching. Stop it with the Vikings. Although, come on, no, no, no. I'll we give you credit forward for forward to the playoffs and the Vikings beat the Eagles. And Adam says, "Are you gonna?" You gonna admit it now? Uh, no, says, that, my point uh, was I'm not, not saying gonna... that I was wrong, but <laughs> so yeah. Well, let's all right. So let's talk about that because that that game. I mean, two huge swings yesterday. One, the Redskins like ru- ruining the afternoon. They did with the chance to take they one against covered. the Saints. Left go luck. Thank you. Would you go four and zero yesterday? Right? Is that yep. the first time all year? Well, you know, Russ, as a as a prognosticator, I'm just kidding. I, I hate this shit. <laughs> you need some emojis in your next tweets, like 100%. And stock photos. Dude, Lock it down. I, I'm getting so, like, it's so annoying now. Like, I really can't handle. Their tweets take up the whole screen. And, like, I can, I'm just imagining them being like, oh, shit. Cursor went through a touchdown, frantically goes to drafts. Like, p- puts out emoji-filled tweet. I can't do it. Yeah, I Jeff would Skiversky. love to see Skiversky's drafts folder. Dude, Skiversky was like, right as soon as the game ended, he had it, but he had like a little cl- a video clip instead of a stock photo, so I guess that's a little bit of a positive. Am I the only one who, whatever you say, Jeff Skiversky, I, I'm reminded of the Swedish chef from the Muppets? Yes. Skiversky, Skiversky, Skiversky. Well, now I think about it. For your emoji, for your for the emoji, record, For, for the record, I love Jeff Skiversky, just for the record. That's your uh, qualifier every time it comes up. Yeah, what's the do. deal with that? You, I don't know if you've ever qualified as much as... Well, I'll, I'll put this out there. When I was in Nebraska, so my first job out of college, I was a reporter in Nebraska. I was a news reporter, and I was making eighteen five, And uh, I got a raise my second year uh, to nineteen five, 
And uh, as I was coming, you had a financial advisor to handle all that. Oh, dude! It's, when you have that much money, you just need to put it in places where it can grow. Uh, <laughs> but when I was leaving, like uh, hot pockets, I was, I was, you know, I was emailing a bunch of people, and just for like advice. And he was actually someone that, when I was leaving Nebraska, was like, just gave me a lot of really good advice for like building a better resume tape. And we emojis. like we kept in touch. Yeah, he was just like put fire emojis <laughs> all over it, uh, and then a lot of one emojis and remind people of statistics that are really common. Uh, but no, he he <laughs> helped me out a lot, so I'm I'm very appreciative to him. So like I feel bad, but like I would tell this to his face about his emo about his tweets. And if anything, we're getting his Twitter more attention, right? With all the Absolutely. pictures he has, he gave the term stock portfolio a totally different meaning. Uh, hold, what were you saying though about Sean Payton and the and uh, the Rams? Uh, no, well, I was. Oh, for the, the swing. Other, well, the other first of all, the, the Redskins like that that would have been huge having the Saints two games behind us. Because, I didn't think about that. You're right. Oh my god! I mean, I'm watching that game. I'm like, holy shit! The Redskins are going to give us a gift here, and and you're guaranteed of one of the Rams or Vikings to lose. You know, barring a tie, right. Mr. McNabb. So like the Eagles would have gained a game on two of the three teams nipping at their heels. Instead, the Saints come back and win impressively, so now they're still a thing. And I I wasn't sure who to root for in Rams-Vikings, because either way, one team, I, I kind of, I think I settled on the Vikings, because now the Eagles have a chance if they beat the Rams. First of all, they can lose and still not and still not fall behind them, which I like. But they can also beat them and just completely take them out of the equation. Right. And then you're left, you know, like, as many teams as you could lop off as you can. Like, we've lopped off the Cowboys now, the, the Seahawks, the, the Packers, you know. So, I don't know who to root for there. The Vikings winning 24-7 was, I don't know if that says more about the Vikings or more about the Rams. The Vikings defense is obviously very good. So, I don't know. I'm... Maybe you were right on the Vikings. I'm still not. I will take them any day. The Eagles defense against that offense. I think our defense is. I think our defense is going to be like more dominant of their offense than their defense would be with the Eagles offense. Only because we have so many weapons and can wiggle out of that. The one thing I'll say, Kyle, is there's a very interesting thing. So last night, I think Carson Wentz handled the who's better, Carson Wentz or Dak Prescott discussion. The Carson Wentz to Jared Goff discussion, look at Jared Goff's record, or look at his performances on the road against good defenses this year. Just in good defenses in general. Seattle at home played like shit. Jacksonville on the road played like shit. Minnesota on the road did not look good. Washington at home didn't play that well. So that's why um, I actually think that Case Keenum is playing better currently than Jared Goff is. Um, and I, I, it's funny as people, like, look, the Rams offense is great. The Vikings have a top 10 offense statistically right now. And their defense is a lot better than the Rams. The Rams defense is a Falcons defense in my mind. Where last year the Falcons would get a big lead and they had the speed because they knew you were passing to attack you. That's what the Rams are. And so the Rams were in a dogfight yesterday and their defense couldn't do that and they got run all over. I mean, Latavius Murray had like his first good game of the year against the Rams because the Rams, in my mind, are a play from ahead 
My thing for the Eagles schedule going forward, because I'm already getting tweets from people saying that they don't play a tough team until the playoffs, which, shut the fuck up, leave me alone, is the response I'm going to say from now on. Well, at the Rams and Seahawks, it's, it's plenty tough. Right. Before you move on there, I, want, I just want to address yeah, your sure. golf point. Um, I think, you know, I mean, they've done a nice job of bringing him along. Like He's further along than it seemed like he would be at this point. But what the, the master stroke of the Rams this year has been unlocking Gurley. And Goff has been good enough to unlock Gurley. Is that like? Does that yes. make sense? Oh yeah, it's, he's been you know, enough and of when, a threat. Right, and when they're down and can't run effectively like that, now, like he, you know, Wentz has had a couple of games now, like 168 yards, two touchdowns, 14 to 27, is nothing to write home about yesterday. But even when he's not at his best and and dominating, Wani doesn't turn the ball over. But he still like impresses you with a handful of plays where you see why oh, he's a great player, and that's not what sacked. you're getting from God. No, never. Yes, yeah. And and you know what's funny is I love the the statistical, uh, whether it's the Cian Fahey's or whoever it is, they break down stats, and they they say it's not about eyeball. But then where is the stat that that values higher Carson Wentz being sacked and throwing a laser? to Torrey Smith in the end zone. Where is that statistic that values that throw more? Because I don't see it anywhere. Where is the stat that says, okay, so we have a short field because either a big run or a defensive stop, and he throws the perfect pass to Alshon Jeffrey. Where is the valuing of that? Because I don't see that. Third down and red zone, absolutely. And, and people That's... don't, it, they, they, it's not valued more, so then you need to make better statistics. Because if the only statistic that you have as proprietary to you is interceptable balls, then where is your statistic that says, holy shit, other people can't make this throw balls? Yeah, and I think some stat heads would say in those situations, especially with red zone or third down or, yeah, like those tough plays are going to say, well, they'll revert to the mean, like they're, they're, they're completing at a higher percentage. In this case, it's like the BABIP guys in baseball who will say, well, the guys, you know, balls in play are 400, that'll come back. But I don't know if that is the case because Wentz is like in those situations in the NFL, yes, like maybe their red zone efficiency and their third down efficiency will come back to earth a little bit over time. But Wentz doesn't make the bonehead like every time I watch like a like a Philip Rivers just getting all flustered in situations like that, like those are the things you can't account for. Yes. Like and Wentz the, doing the right thing with the ball, right. not throwing it away, not throwing an interception. How about like the those fact that matter. he's checking down all the time at the right time or switching to a run play that has success or just managing the flow of the offense? When statistics come out, there's a lot of times where it's telling you something that you know but that you don't want to admit. Earlier this year, probably about two weeks ago, Football Outsiders uh, identified Miami Dolphins as the worst four and two team in history. Like that they were, they, it, was, it was all a house of cards, it was gonna crumble. And it was one of those things where you smiled and went, shit, you're probably right, this is gonna fall apart. But is there anyone that was really fucking doubting Carson Wentz right now? Like, is there anyone that in their heart of hearts think that this is a farce or that, like, this isn't real or that he's overrated? Like, are you watching this going, man, we're getting a little bit lucky? No. Like, there's not an ounce of my being that feels that way. So if you want to stay on that hill and you want to fight that fight, good for you. I just don't know who your audience is anymore. Yeah, I had that, that moment last night where where you just kind of sit back and you say, like, 
think I tweeted something that said something along the lines of like, it's fair to, to usually, you know, identify the fact that we tend to get really hyped up when something goes well. And it's also, you know, I think inherently Philadelphia fan of us to not want to believe in something because we can't have nice things. But when you watch Carson Wentz, you're you're watching what could potentially be the best quarterback in, in the franchise's history. Am I ready to put him there yet? Like, no. I, I guess not, right? Because he hasn't done it for long enough. But there's there's practically no way that this looks like a fluke, to your point. Like, when, when Foles was out having his ridiculous season, we all kind of knew. It was like Michael Carter-Williams. Like, we knew that it was eventually going to to go the other way. Like we knew that, that it was not a sustainable thing. We knew that he was he was outplaying what his skill set was. But man, Carson is just unreal. And to your point about the kind of passes that, you know, there's there's no kind of quantitative, you know, statistic that exists for the throws that he makes. The amount of times that that there are national pundits that that now talk about the way that this guy hangs in the pocket and completes the perfect pass downfield like I think uh, pre-game, I want to say, uh, Dan Patrick was talking about the uh, the lack of him uh, throwing an interception while being blitzed. That was something they covered on the pre-game show. And the way that he stands in the pocket is willing to take the hit, but the fact that, like, to your point, he doesn't make the stupid mistake. Like, I think Dak is a good quarterback, but Dak had a few of those plays last night that led to interceptions where, like, all you have to do is throw the ball away, and he, and he didn't yeah. do it, and Carson does. Yeah, Wentz did almost have that one interception that he threw like completely to Anthony Brown and he dropped. Um, it was also deflected, I think. That, I, pass. I think that was the right wobbler, too. right? Yeah, yeah. Just looking ahead at the teams uh, that they're playing, there's a thing that the Eagles look, they always say there's wins and there's lessons. There's not losses, there's lessons. But I would like the Eagles to keep winning. But there are some things that they could take from each of these games. I could see what you're saying is a trap game. They're getting ready to go on a three-game road trip, and now they're playing the Chicago Bears. Who have a good defense. Not so, great. But so the thing that we're going to learn against Chicago is two things. One, how can they do against a really good front seven with, the, with our running attack? And how will the Eagles defense do against a team that runs it all of the time? They do not stop running. And that was one thing that was starting to look scary last night was, wow, the Cowboys are having a lot of success with running the game. And as my friend Dan said, if that was Zeke, some of those runs may have gone for a really long while last night and not Alfred Morris. Seattle, road game, night game, Carson Wentz on the road against a good D line that can pass rush. And how do they do against a mobile quarterback with Russell Wilson? Rams, how do they do against an, uh, an offensive mastermind? The scary thing about McVay is will he be able to diagnose the weakness in the Eagles defense and take advantage of it? That My fear in that game is that the blueprint game where he finds the hole that that's other people take advantage three game? of. The Carter 3. Oh, no, that's not Jay-Z. That's Lil Wayne. Never, never mind. Yes. I was trying to make it Jay-Z. So get, just let it go. Just go. They are both just Carter. Go. Uh, just go. At the Giants, so here's what we saw yesterday. The, the scary thing about the Giants is the common, like let's say the Eagles have a, a tough time with the Giants, which I think they're going to. The common fans are going to go, but the Giants suck. What the hell? 
And then you have to realize, law of averages, this is a team that many people picked to win the NFC East and that many people believed was going to have a, a top-notch defense. Odds are down the stretch, they're probably going to look more like that team than the team that we've seen, just by law of averages. And so they have a very talented defense. They have Snacks Harrison. They have Landon Collins. They have all those corners. That will be a really tough game. But our defense should have their way with our offense. But I think that our offense, I'm looking at it right now, Bears, Seahawks, Rams, Giants is a really low-key, good defensive stretch that the Eagles are facing. Like, that's Aaron Donald. That's Michael Bennett. That's the Chicago Bears D-line. That's the Giants, Snacks, Harrison. Like, that, I'm telling you, don't be surprised if we're going, what's up with the Eagles offense? Raiders should be the game where they let it all out and they put up 35 points because the Raiders' defense sucks. Uh, But that is facing a good quarterback. And then the Cowboys, with Zeke, hopefully they don't need to, like, try in that game and they can rest everybody. But, you know, Zeke is going to be another animal. So there's stuff to learn in all of these games. They're going to be favored in all of them. Uh, the Rams won. If they come out slow against Seattle, I could see them. No, I don't even see that. I just. Uh, I could see them being a, like a one point. Yeah, dog maybe it, the Rams would have to beat the shit out of somebody. Adam, uh, how how screwed is Seattle without Cam Chancellor? Oh well, they're screwed. So the thing is, they I mean, like Sherman was a, Sherman was a big thing, but like so Chancellor, they well. were screwed before Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor got hurt. Their second quarterback was an issue, and their offense, like the Eagles are an amazing matchup for the Seahawks. But overall, I think that the Seahawks were not good, like were not great before. And then to lose Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor, uh, I had to do a video that will come out for tonight, my betting video, and I, I call them the Legion of B because the other letters are gone. It's Earl Thomas, and that's it. I mean, they're starting safe secondary right now. I don't even know. It's Shaquille Griffin. It's uh, can they re-sign Byron Maxwell? Why? No, like, I said. Di- I said, didn't they though? Right? Maybe, but like, who? What does that even do? Like, yeah, he's he's back. I he's I thought I saw this good. last week. No, I know. I I don't know if that's just because they needed somebody who was competent with the scheme. Yeah, they're but they're that's... a team that's gonna rely. Like, if they don't get pressure at their front four, they're dead. And it's it's Russell Wilson running around and then the front four. No, they're, and they're you, dead. And you scalded me for pointing that out earlier in the year. But now with the defensive losses, like, it looks that much more unsustainable. Well, no, like, I hearing yesterday, all, I've been Russ- saying all year that, they, that, they, that they're overrated. No, I know. But you're like, well, that's their offense. You know, that's Russell Wilson. But it's, it's you know, the, too much is going against them now for that to be sustainable. Him getting his jaw realigned and still playing is like oh. peak, peak Russell Wilson. Well, the fact that like, he's, he's going to die out there doing what he does. Here's the thing that's crazy. He is their leading rusher with 290 yards. Their second leading rusher is Chris Carson, who hasn't played in a month with an injury. <laughs> like... The, the fact that the Seahawks... The Seahawks are the most abusive relationship ever with their quarterback. Like, every year, they're like, well, we don't need to make any wholesale changes because we went 10-6 and six and lost in the first round because Russell Wilson did all of that himself. And it's like, 
can you get a new offensive coach? Can you try and... Like, they thought that signing Luke Jokel at guard was going to fix things this year. And they went into the year with their left tackle as as George Fant, the, the former tight end from Western Kentucky who played... Who I covered in basketball. Like, <laughs> it's just... It's just every year they're just abusive, but... I don't know. I, and, I, and I've... Yeah, and I, it's, it's like seeing them sign Byron Maxwell. Like you see the Seahawks night game on the schedule, and don't like. Oh my me, God, you're me, right. Gives, They're gonna fucking kill them. That's awesome, right, Russ? That's a like, great point. Thank you. Yes. It, and it Kyle, gives me pause. It gives me pause to see them on the schedule, but then you're like, wait a minute, this team is now playing with the guy you know like just the Maxwell thing's perfect. Like they're playing with the guy who sucked here, who we got because he was there. Like. Things have come so full circle. Like, that team is so depleted. I have but my here's prediction. What I, really quick about that game, and then yeah. you go. That is going to be the Alshon 50-50 game. You know how we keep wanting Alshon to jump over somebody? Mm-hmm. He's going to jump over Byron Maxwell. Oh, God. That would be, Philly Twitter. That would be toast everything memes. to everyone. But do you toast see how we're looking ahead? To, you see how we're looking ahead to Seattle? This is what's scary about the Bears game. It is. I agree. What and do you guys he, think the the record ends up being? We really still, quick. Like we don't need to do like the full dissection. But how many? Thirteen and three. Thirteen and three. You, is any of those three. because they wrap up home field and they rest the final game of the season? Maybe I think they lose to the Rams and they lose one other game after the Giants game. I don't think it's to the Giants. I think they lose to the Rams and then they lose to like the Raiders or Cowboys at the end. That sounds good to me. Just, I mean, for, you know, like, think about this. We're now discussing, like, hey, they go 4-2, and two, which is totally doable, and they finish 13-3. and three. Like, they're so far out ahead now that now you can – and that's why, to me, the Saints game yesterday was so disappointing because they they clearly now they're a playoff team and they've given themselves wiggle room. But it would be so nice to just have that one – all you need is all those teams behind them to lose one more game than them. You know, and now they're two games back, so you give the the Eagles would have a, would have had a mulligan built in there. That's the thing that I was I was looking forward to. The thing, here's the thing though. Like for now, it's been two weeks. They had two weeks off, and then you played the Cowboys, and everyone expected them to win this game. They did, you know, more or less what we expected, maybe in a different format or script than we were anticipating last night. Everyone expects them to beat the Bears. Like now, this is the part of sports fandom that I, these last two weeks that I don't love because you're not. You're, you're disappointed if they lose and you're expecting to win. And again, this is how trap games pop up. But like, it was hard to get really up for the second half yesterday. It was nice to see them shit all over the Cowboys, especially after Jerry Jones honored himself at halftime. Though I am on Team Jerry and him versus Goodell. But like, you know, you kind of expect them to kick their ass. You expect them to kick the Bears' ass. It's really the Seahawks and Rams games where you're like, okay, these are some unique tests. Like, this is another hurdle. But we're going to be going on like five weeks, four straight weeks of really kind of just waiting to see what the Eagles ceiling is. And like that part, not that it it makes me nervous because it's going to go from the end of October through the beginning of December until like we have that next rung on the ladder to climb. Like right now they're just, you know, beating the Cowboys yesterday was just chewing up pavement, chewing up pavement next week against the Bears. Going to Seattle and winning on the road, going to the Rams, like now you're taking further steps up that ladder. Like those are the things. And the other thing I'll point out again is – in, this has nothing to do with anything. But, like, the Saints, everyone's like, oh, yeah, you get the Saints home game. Like, that team, their running game, Kamara is so good. 
is what's the deal with Latimer? How how hurt is he? He was okay, uh, he tweeted, right? He tweeted that he's going to be fine, but which he'll be a little hobbled. That was almost another break the Eagles got, and I wasn't rooting for it. Like whatever. But that was almost another break they got. But the Saints, with that running game in their corners, they can win anywhere. So, you know, I'm hoping for them to lose, you know, as much as humanly possible and potentially not have to play the Eagles. Because to your point, Adam, you called it a month ago, I'm beginning to get mostly scared of that team. It's, uh, they're, the fu- they're fucking really good. They're really good. They are. They are. And a good coach, experience, you know, like, hey, all right, so the Eagles stopped the running game. Well, now you still have Drew Brees and Sean Payton. Hey, remember how, we almost did a, remember how we almost did a podcast on Saturday because the Sixers were beating the Warriors by 24? The I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Can we just say, though, it, it really was nice to be on the opposite side of a third quarter where you yes. just blew out the other team. Thank you, Eagles, for, you know, allowing us to feel like humans again. So here's uh, really quick uh, the Saints just because I know you're interested. Their next, guess who they play this Sunday? At the Rams. No. Oh, no kidding. So the Rams are either going to be taken completely out of the discussion or they upset the Saints. It's in L.A. Then they play at home against the Panthers, a really tough rematch game against a really good defense. In my mind, the number two defense in the NFL behind your Minnesota Vikings. Then they play at Atlanta, not an easy game, home against the Jets, uh, home against Atlanta. So they play Atlanta two times in three weeks and then at Tampa Bay. So they play a lot more of their in-division games. So you got to fit. All right. So this makes me feel a little bit better because that is that is a, that is as tough as a slog as the Eagles. Yeah, have. but it's the Rams tougher. and Panthers, that means that two of the contenders are taking an L. In those two weeks, right. So I'm trying to I'm trying to parse our rooting. All right. So next week, let's start with the Rams game. Do you want the Rams written off completely going into there? Well, remember and, that. Oh, is that the and week? playing a team fighting for their lives then when the Eagles show up? Or do you want the Rams? Uh, to me, I'd prefer the Rams to lose because uh, the Rams to win. Because if the Rams win, one, I like playing a team coming off a high win better than playing a team coming off a loss. Well, no, they still have another game after before us. Right. They okay, go. They point. go. Saints. Cardinals. Us. Saints. Okay, but I would still take the Rams in that game because now, of if course. the Rams, if yeah, the Rams win, right now you have a cushion against two teams as opposed to just one. You know, like except the, for the Eagles can, can, except for that's my point. Like <laughs> of the three teams, of right. the three but really, teams, how long can Keith Keenum do what he's doing? So my thing about Case Keenum, and I don't know if I said it on this podcast, is I just found it very funny that when Jared Goff uh, this year, everyone's like, oh, well, last year doesn't count because he had Jeff Fisher and Rob Boris as offensive coordinator. And it's like, so did Case Keenum have a different coaching staff those first seven games? I don't think Case Keenum is great, but I think he's good. I just think people are sleeping on him. Yeah, I look. Vikings, by the way, play... At Lions, at Falcons, so they play the Falcons. Oh, shit. Okay, here. They play at Lions, at Falcons, at Panthers, home against the Bengals, at Packers, home against the Bears. Will Rodgers be back for that that game? Is Rodgers coming back this season? I don't expect him back. 
Yeah, that's, at, that to me is not that difficult. No, but they play at Lions, at Falcons, at Panthers. So they play three road games uh, as well in a row. Lions, Lions could beat them, man. Lions are fucking good. Lions already right. did beat. Uh, yeah, Lions already did beat them. Lion, the Lions is a good team. Matt, like, well, no, Matt Stafford. Stop is on Matt Stafford. Stop. I, right. I, I, I was thinking this watching right. him yesterday. I am happy to die on this hill against Kyle for this season. <laughs> I am happy to say that Matt Stafford is about to go down the stretch. And now the Vikings is a really good defense, but Matt Stafford is a top five quarterback. And, oh, this is easy. I'll take that. I'll take that. Matt, you're underrating Matt Stafford in Minnesota. That's easy. That's free money. I'll even put money on somebody that. Put, yep, somebody put money down. I got to go, guys. Have, have fun, uh, should, have fun with your wages. Let's wrap. Let's wrap. There's a uh, yeah, I, there is a new iTunes review. Go for it. Uh, Nova Champ sixteen. Kyle, you should My like guy. that. My guy. My guy. The bang. Uh, title. Title. Bang. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> Sorry. Pinnacle music moments and podcast love five stars. Love the podcast, especially the non sports takes and updates around lemons and water drinks. Music pinnacle moments and divorcee face. Uh, not marching voice of or matching the voice of Adam. Chemistry continues to get better and better each week. Go Sixers. Can't wait till every podcast can be Sixers. One small request. Can you spend the next podcast on pop music definitions for Kyle by decade going back to the 80s? Also, every podcast going forward should intro with true pinnacle rap songs. Big Papa, I'm a Hustler, anything by Tupac, etc., etc. Thanks, uh, thanks for the review. By the way, we are up to 276 five-star uh, ratings in iTunes. We have 200... It comes. 200, oh, my God. Uh, 221 Is it weird uh, if I reviews. say jinx? <laughs> yeah. Uh, only weirder if you say uh, uh, punch no cherry... Co- or cherry Coke no punch packs. Something what? like that. You ever, Did you like, guys see I went tap jinx, water jinx, cherry Coke no, pun- no punch packs? Yeah, I saw it. The yeah. You the and guy your, next to us got sparkling. Chow? I was very, yeah, I was, I was upset. I didn't know they offered... Did his wife leave bottles. him? Yeah, you gotta what? get the sparkling, dude. It was actually two guys, so they. I think I don't. His husband may have left them. Oh, um, by the way, uh, make sure you look at the text here. What? Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. All right. Okay. Well, let's wrap. Let's go. All like we're gonna go majority Sixers Wednesday because they play tonight. So I'll be down there. Ooh. I don't. I'm, I'm so disgusted. Whatever. Right, relax. Relax it's on the not, Warriors. Yeah, it's the like, Warriors. Relax, like they. You, you knew know. that third quarter was coming, and you. You did, and you. It's the that was I the mean, bet of the, the, bet of the, the century. The bet of the century was Sixers first, Warriors third. It's like clockwork. On a positive note, Kyle now owes me two dollars, so I'm very excited. Why? Because we had a bet going twenty to one odds. Twenty to one odds. I think on the uh, three straight wins that Kyle thought was going to happen, and five to one on the. Uh, the Sixers Warriors game. So I'm owed two dollars. I'm very excited about that. I'm gonna. What would Stewie say about that? Well, I I don't know what I'm going to do with this. Probably figure out another way to get Lewis. <laughs> All really right, good. and that's a good place to wrap. Oh, the Eagles are nine and one. The Eagles are nine and one. Suck it, America. Fantastic. Oh, one. Wait, wait. Before you go, one other thing about the nine and one. As I thought it says, you were ripping uh, off the schedules. I know, I know, that was a bad ending. But as you're ripping off schedules of the other team, you're talking. You know, like we're looking. All right, it's a little bit difficult for the Rams. It's a little bit difficult for the Saints. That is the advantage of having those like, of uh, having one game being nine and one at this point. But like we look at the Eagles' schedule, and we're like, oh god, there's 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 traps here. 
we're forgetting that other teams have to play games too. Like they're not all going to end the season with two losses. So, you know, figure if every team loses two games, the Eagles still come out on top of 13 and three. Like that's, that's the one thing to like feel good about heading into heading into tomorrow and worrying about being like me and being paranoid about the December schedule. That's all I got. That's yep. a bad point. Anyway, it's not a it. bad point. All points are good when you're nine and one for us. For Kyle, I am Adam. Enjoy this win. Enjoy the Sixers game tonight. We will be breaking it down on Wednesday. And be free and happy to tweet at us with any of your Philadelphia opinions. I am at Adam Lefko, the L E F K O E man. Kyle is at Crossing Broad, the originator of everything you're listening to. And Russell is at Joy on Broad. For good entertainment, you can also file, follow at Scott on Broad, a Twitter account that makes me laugh. Uh, Eagles are 9-1, Eagles 9-1, Eagles 9-1, and we'll see you on Wednesday.